good morning. We're so glad that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us. It's a beautiful day today, isn't it? Over the last few weeks, we've been exploring this new series called We Are Vineyard, where we've been looking at the different functions that a church has, a a family, a school, a hospital, and an army. And today, we're going to focus in on a hospital that heals. And I'm going to start by praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here into this space to be the teacher Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for each of us today. This is the day you have made. We want to rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, throughout this series, we've been looking back to the book of Acts when the early church was created, and we've been seeing how did they do church? And today we're going to be in Acts 3, and we're going to look at a story from Peter and John where they embraced this call to be a hospital that heals. A little bit of context, one day Peter and John are headed to church in an afternoon and to get to church, they have to go through what's called the beautiful gate. And this is what the beautiful gate looks like right now. But back in their day, it was 75 foot high, double doors made of Corinthian brass, truly a beautiful entrance into the temple area. And so they're headed into church and as they go through this gate, they see a a man who has been lame since birth and he is there begging. Now that man had chosen a good spot because in Judaism, um, giving to the poor was seen as an act of righteousness. And so he could probably make a fairly good living by sitting there and begging for money. We can assume that Peter and John had seen this man before because he was a regular, a fixture in this area. You know, this man, he, he wanted to be supported in his condition. He wanted someone to help him. And I think for many of us, we can relate to this. Maybe we're broken or we're hurting and we're looking for support. And support is not bad, but God had something better in mind. God wanted to miraculously heal him of every area of brokenness in his life. And I believe that this is a prophetic picture for us today. Some of us today, we're looking for support, but I have good news for you. Jesus wants to bring healing. And so I wanna pick up in the story and and figure out what happens as Peter and John start interacting with this man. This is what happens starting in verse four. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. I love this story. Because I believe that many of us are like the lame man. We need physical healing today. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's emotional healing you need or a financial breakthrough or relational reconciliation. Many of us are in need of healing. We are desperate for healing. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone you love. Maybe it's a family member or a a classmate or a coworker or a friend who needs healing, who needs a breakthrough. Right now, I want you to think about your life. Do you need healing? 
Do you need a miracle? Because the good news is this, we believe that God is still doing miracles today. We believe that the miraculous can happen now in a moment. Now this is a hard belief to have, it's a hard belief to live with, why? Because we understand there is so much pain and brokenness in our world that is confusing. It's hard to hold on to this truth that God is still doing miracles today, that he wants to heal. Why? Because there's so much brokenness in the world. But we believe us, the Vineyard Church, are called to be a hospital that heals, a place where people can come just as they are, not met with judgment, but met with compassion, where they can encounter the love of a father, a love that heals every type of wound. Jesus then transforms us, making us into who we were always meant to be. And then we believe we become wounded healers. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. He wants to extend the miraculous through you. He wants you to give away what he gives you. We believe that we are called to be a hospital that heals. And so let's go back to that story for a moment and let's just think about what do we, what do we learn in this story? What do we see in this story? So Peter and John, they're just going to church. All right, already, I'm liking where this story is going. They're headed to church and on their way to church, as they walk through this beautiful gate, they see someone that they've seen many times, but they actually see him. I think this is a word for us that there are many people in our lives, in our world that we see all the time, but we aren't seeing them. We don't have the vision to see them as God sees them. And what happens is that Peter and John, compassion wells up in them and that compassion moves them to action. And even though they've seen this man many, many times, this guy is a fixture here. They really see him in this moment. And what do they do? They say to the man, you know, look at me intently, like look me in the eyeballs. And I'm sure this lame man is thinking, I'm about to get a ton of money. Thank you, Lord. And what does Peter say? Peter like bursts the bubble right away. He's like, look, I got no money. Okay, no money. But what I do have you, what I do have, I give you freely. And what did he have? He had the authority that Jesus had given him to heal the sick. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because if we look at the gospels, we read all the different stories about how Jesus trained and equipped and gave authority to his disciples. And so Peter operating in this gift of faith, he reaches out his hand and he helps the man rise to his feet. And that man in that moment is instantly healed. And what does the man do? Well, he first starts to walk and then he starts to leap and he goes into church because his response is to praise God. When we are healed, we give credit to the healer. And so what happens? That man comes in and everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's the God, that and they are absolutely astounded. May we be a house where we say, wow, can you believe what God did? We are called to be a hospital that heals. Now, this is an incredible story, and I wish every story was this simple and this beautiful, but it's not. But that means, that does not give us permission to reject the invitation that Jesus gives us to be a hospital that heals. And I think we need to look at two things from this story And we need to unpack them so that we understand this call to be a hospital that heals. The first is the authority that God has given us to go in his name. And secondly, we need to unpack the invitation to compassion because it's gonna be the thing that really propels us where we're going. Okay, so let's first look at this whole issue of authority. 
God wants us whole. He wants us well. His original design for us was wholeness. How do I know that? Well, I can go back to the beginning of the book and I can look in the Garden of Eden. If we look in the Garden of Eden, we were created for intimacy, for family. There was no need, every need was met. There was no sickness, no disease, no poverty. But unfortunately, that did not last that long because Satan enters the picture, as does sin, which is our willful disobedience of God's instructions. And what happens is that sin messes us up from the inside out. Satan, that's the enemy, he becomes the ruler of this world, and he is the author of death and sickness and sin and poverty. And so what we end up reading in the Bible is the story of people who are waiting for hundreds of years for a Messiah, for someone to deliver them from the mess that they created in the garden. Okay, so Jesus shows up on the scene. And what happens when Jesus comes? Jesus announces, the kingdom of heaven has come. And then everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he set the captives free, and he released the kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom? The people of Israel thought that the kingdom of God was, was a political thing. They thought it was going to be that the, the Jewish people were going to rule over the land, but the kingdom of God is way bigger than that. It is God's rule and reign over the whole world. And what Jesus did when he came is he took the future and he brought it to the present. Time travel. I know it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. But what happens is that Jesus brings the reality of heaven, which is wholeness and healing and hope, he brings it to earth now. And that's why we can experience healing now. I wanna go to Acts 10 because it talks about what Jesus did while he was here on earth. And he, Acts 10, 38 tells us he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is important. So what does Jesus do? Jesus goes around doing good and healing all, I really like that word, all who were oppressed by whom? The devil. So who does the oppressing? The enemy does the oppressing. Okay, so Jesus has been given authority by God to bring heaven to earth. And here's what's crazy. He then turns around and gives authority to his disciples. He trains his disciples to do the same things as him. In fact, we're gonna go to John 14 because there's a crazy promise, a promise that challenges me every day in John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and this is what he tells his disciples. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. What? Do we understand the works that Jesus was doing? Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. That verse says that if we believe in him, if we have a relationship with him, that we have the authority to do the same things he's done and even greater things. Whoa. We are called to be a hospital that heals. And Jesus has given us this authority. I think we have to sit with that for a moment. I think we have to, we have to take a deep breath. Because for some of you, maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe that is a completely new thought. It's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? 
For others of you, maybe you've heard this before, but it's not a lived reality in your life. Either way, it's a challenge to embrace this promise fully. We have been given the authority to heal. So my mind goes to questions, and the question that I come to is then, why does healing sometimes not happen? Why is there still brokenness and pain in this world? And I think that's an excellent question to ask. And so for a moment, I want to talk about the lens through which we view sickness and pain and suffering because it deeply affects our understanding of the call to be a hospital for healing. These lenses are called worldviews. And that's kind of a fancy term for, consider it like a filter through which you see and process and understand the world around you. And today we're gonna specifically look at two worldviews because we need to examine what we believe about how God behaves and how he operates. We need to look at his goodness and his sovereignty. Now, most of us understand what the word goodness means, so I'm not gonna define that. But a lot of us, sovereignty might be a, a newer word to us. So what does sovereignty mean? It means supreme power or authority. So we're gonna look at God's goodness and his power and authority. I think most people would say this statement, God is good and God is sovereign, okay? But the definitions that we've attached, our worldview that we've attached to these words incredibly impacts this call to be a hospital that heals. So the first view I wanna look at is what's known as the cosmic blueprint. And I wanna be clear, this is not the view that we embrace, but we need to talk about it because many of us have succumbed to this and, and we've struggled with this. In this worldview, we believe in the simple sovereignty of God, meaning that everything that happens, God ordains and that his will always happens in our lives. In fact, we could say he micromanages what happens to us. It's simple and it's straightforward. He has the blueprint of our life all laid out. Now, since there is bad stuff in the world, like sickness and death and disappointment and pain, it must mean that God's goodness is complicated. It's a long-term game. He wants goodness for us, but his goodness is complex. So that means that God might send hard or painful things into our life, but in the end, it's gonna be for your good. In the cosmic blueprint, we often hear phrases like this. God works in mysterious ways. Everything happens for a reason. Have you ever heard these things before? When we have this worldview, we simply have to accept what happens to us. We have to make peace with pain because God is ordaining this to happen to us. We can find ourselves unsure or unsteady as we face the storms and struggles of life. You know, it's really hard to pray for healing, to believe in healing when the one who's supposed to heal you has sent the pain to you in the first place. In the vineyard, we embrace, like I said, kingdom theology, which means that the future has come, that we can experience heaven now. That when Jesus came, heaven came. And every day, we get to pray that more of heaven would come. And so it's a challenge because what we like to say is that the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. That won't happen until Jesus returns. And so we live in tension. We live in what's called the already and the not yet. That's why sometimes when we pray, healing doesn't happen. Breakthrough doesn't come. Because the kingdom in its fullness is not here. But it is here. And we can pray with confidence. Remember, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Every day, we get to join Jesus in this prayer. 
And so kingdom theology is super important as we think about another worldview. This is the worldview that I think would deeply help many of us, and it's called the cosmic battle. Okay, in this worldview, again, what are we talking about? We're talking about God's goodness and God's sovereignty. Again, we say God is good and God is sovereign. But in the cosmic battle, we see God's goodness simply. God is only good. He does not send sickness or pain or poverty or death into our lives. God's goodness is simple. Because of this, and because we know there's pain and brokenness, we have to then come to the conclusion that God's sovereignty is complicated. It's complex. God is the ultimate sovereign, but that doesn't mean that his will always happens. He is the supreme power in the universe, but what it means to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords is not synonymous with him always getting his way. Now, we do believe that in time, it will work out, but in the cosmic battle paradigm, God's will does not always happen. There is a battle. Sometimes God's will happens and sometimes it doesn't. He has a plan, but there is a fight for it to be worked out in our lives. Let me just share an example of how this paradigm, this worldview really impacted me this year. So earlier this year, I got really sick. I got really sick. I I got the flu and then I got an ear infection and then I got a UTI. So I needed a couple rounds of antibiotics and one of those antibiotics I had a very serious reaction to. And what ended up happening was that my gut rebelled specifically my ability to eat and digest food and keep it in. And me being me, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to power through this. It's going to be just fine. I mean, I'm going to be fine. But as it turns out, you do need the ability to eat and digest food to fully function. And so I realized I was not in great shape. And what started to happen was I I started to lose weight. I had no energy. You know, the first month I was like, okay, this is hard, but... I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. And I went to doctors and I was taking tests and I was getting misdiagnosed. And, you know, the second month I really started to get desperate because when you have a chronic condition where you wake up in the morning and you're not sure how you're going to take care of your kids and how you're going to go to work and how you're going to take care of everything, it's real. It's real. And of course, I had reached out to my, my friends here and, and my, my you know, family of faith and people were praying for me and I was praying, but I'll be honest, I was losing hope. I searched for answers, there were none. They told me they did not know what was wrong with me and I feared I would never be normal again. And I feel like for some of us today, you've actually said, will I ever be normal again? Will I ever feel like myself again? And you see, Because I embrace a cosmic battle viewpoint, I don't have to see this sickness as a blessing from God that will somehow be good for me in the end. No, I can call this for what it is. It is an attack from the enemy that do not worry, God will use for my good. He will turn it around. But I don't have to make peace with pain in my life. This is the message we get to tell the world. There is hope. Heaven has come. Come to this place. Come and receive so that you can be healed, so that you can heal others. I want to say this. We can trust God because Jesus revealed who who God is. We can look at Jesus and we can know our Father. God is emotionally safe. He is not sending pain and poverty and brokenness and death into our lives to teach us some lesson that is twisted. God is good and God is sovereign. 
We need to understand how we understand that truth. There is no guarantee. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that you're not gonna go through pain and struggle and sickness. There is no guarantee, but this is what I can guarantee. He will be with you. He will walk beside you. And as your church family, we're gonna walk beside you too. We're gonna believe that God can still do miracles today. We're gonna hold hands with you because I believe that we're called to be a hospital that heals. Well, I wanna finish telling you what ended up happening to me because I really needed my church family this spring as I battled. This was a roller coaster ride, one that I definitely wanted to get off of, but I was trapped on. By mid-March, I was starting to feel a little better. I was hopeful when about 10 days before Easter, I took a turn for the worst and I was unable to eat and I couldn't keep anything in. I was petrified because we were about to have Easter services. And so I reached out to my prayer team and family here at the church and I, I asked for some really specific prayer. I knew God wanted to heal me. I knew I was in this huge battle and it really came to a head the week of Easter when I got on the phone with my doctor and I begged him to try a different medication, which he agreed to. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. To only have that medication denied by insurance and told that I could pay $2,600 out of pocket. I needed that specific medication. But he said to me, you, I'll give you a different one. It won't heal the situation, but it'll get you through your Easter services. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it. And so I go to the pharmacy, and when I pick up the medication, I feel the Holy Spirit whisper to me, you're not gonna take that. Now, I wanna be clear. I am not against medicine. At this point, I had taken so many antibiotics this year. It was, I've lost count, but I am for listening to the great physician. And so what I did was I texted my church family and I said, I am sensing God asking me to wait to take this medicine and I am scared. Would you pray with me that I'm making the right decision? And what I did was I carried that medicine in my pocket and meal by meal, I waited to see if I needed to take it. And you know what happened? For the first time in four months, I was able to eat day by day by day by day. And when I woke up on Easter morning, I woke up and I could not believe it, but the thought in my head was I feel well. It had been four months. Now I would have to go on to make a whole bunch of other changes to my diet and lifestyle. Turns out the better you eat, the better you feel, which wasn't the best news for me, but I knew in that moment that Jesus had healed me. And I'll never forget the moment when I was looking at my notes to come preach to all of you on Easter. And the message was, Jesus turns it all around for good like only he could. And I knew my church family had helped me fight a battle that was so incredibly hard for me. We have been given the authority from Jesus to heal. Now, I wanna show you just a quick video. We captured this last week. We asked people, how have you experienced healing since coming to the vineyard? And I want you to be encouraged for what you hear as these people just simply share how Jesus has showed up in their lives. Let's watch. Hey, Vineyard family, what we are doing today is we are asking members of our congregation how they have experienced healing in Jesus since joining the vineyard. It's gonna be really good, so let's go. My name is Joanna Machen, and God healed me completely of depression and anxiety. My name is Claire, and God healed me from sleep paralysis. Hi, I'm Marty, and since I have been coming here, I have been healed from religious legalism. All right, so since starting the vineyard, God has healed me from alcohol addiction, cocaine addiction. And today marks, I want to say, like 200 and 
40 some days, maybe even 280 days of sobriety. Hi, my name is Samantha, and there's been so many healings. My favorite is my back. Every time I reach my hand out to involve myself in healing with someone else, for some reason, I am always a recipient of a miracle. Hi, my name is Tracy, and I have been healed from depression. I took 80 milligrams of Prozac a day when I came to Vineyard, and I don't take any now. Thank you, Jesus. Hi, I'm Norman. God healed me from my brokenness. My name is Maggie, and God healed me from anxiety. I love it. I'm going to be honest, the church being a hospital that heals, it's not easy. It's not easy because we know we're in a battle and we know that not everyone is going to get healed, but that doesn't mean that we stop asking. It doesn't mean that we stop going after it. Jesus has given us the authority to heal. We get to partner with him. It's not us. We don't have the power. We go in his name with his power, with his spirit filling us to do this work. We have amazing news for you, for your family, for this community. Jesus heals. He wants to heal you and he wants to partner with us to be a place that is a hospital that heals. Now, the only way we're gonna be able to do this is if we embrace the invitation that Peter and John embraced in Acts and say yes to compassion. We must say yes to compassion. We wanna be a place of compassion and not judgment. You know, in the scriptures, when it talks about compassion, it's the phrase moved to compassion. Jesus was often moved to compassion. And if we look at that, that's because the Greeks believed that compassion lived in the bowels, lived in your belly. And that compassion was so deep, it was so important that it moved you to action. Yes, love really gets things moving, if you know what I mean. (laughs) You'll never look at going to the bathroom the same. We want to be so moved with compassion that we are moved into action because compassion is love in action. And so we need to look at where Jesus models this so beautifully for us. I'm going to go to Matthew. This is Matthew 9. And in Matthew 9, Jesus is going about, and let's read and see what Jesus does as compassion hits him. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. What do we see as Jesus operated in compassion? What what happened? He saw the people and then he was moved to compassion. Compassion often comes before the supernatural in our lives. It was compassion that spurred Jesus on to healing people and setting them free. And so if we want to be a supernatural community, if we want to be a hospital that heals, compassion must lead the way. We must understand what compassion is and what compassion isn't. We must understand that there are compassion killers out there. Oh yeah, there's definitely things that can kill our compassion. And we need to pray that we could see people, right? Just like Peter and John saw this man, a man they had seen many, many times, 
but they actually saw him on this day. And so we wanna be people filled with compassion. I love what Jesus says there. He says, you know, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. There are people who are like a sheep without a shepherd. We know the good shepherd and we wanna draw people into relationship with Jesus. We want them to know Jesus as the good shepherd. You know, I don't have to convince you of how rough it is out there. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to give you statistics. You have Facebook, you have your own lives. It is rough. We, our world needs healing. And Jesus instructs us, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him for more workers. Who are the workers? Us, you and me, we are the workers. And, and, and we're instructed here to pray that more people could be equipped and trained, that more people would understand both the authority and the compassion that we're invited to. You know, if you've ever been to a hospital, you do not want it to be understaffed, right? You, you, you do not want it to be understaffed when you're there. You want enough staff, you want overstaffed. And I believe that this is a season where Jesus is inviting us to pray that we would be overstaffed. We wanna train you, we wanna equip you so that you know how to partner with God to release healing wherever you go. I got this picture in my mind this week that, you know, this is a hospital, right? This is a space where people come and you come here to worship and get prayer and ministry. And yes, a lot of healing is gonna happen in this room. A lot of healing is gonna happen in our other spaces as you come to a class. But many, many people will never step foot in this building. Guess what? You can be a field medic. You can be trained. You can be equipped so that no matter where you go, you take Jesus with you. You take his healing power with you. And so when your neighbor complains, you're right there to say, hey, can I pray for you right now? When your coworker is broken and hurting, you can show up with a pot of soup and a, and a, a prophetic prayer and, and bring hope and healing. We are called to be people of compassion. And so we gotta be on the lookout. What are things that kill our compassion? And how can we push those things aside? How can we embrace compassion in our life? I just wanna give us two tips. The first is that we wanna see. We gotta pray that we could see people. You know, sometimes social media has just like made everybody kind of shiny on the outside, but we all know the truth. And so may we be people who can see through to actually who God has called these men and women to be. Maybe, and then in that sight, when we see them, we're invited to stop. When you see someone this week and you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you, stop and interact with them. The second is that I'm gonna invite you to sow. Sow as the Holy Spirit leads. Sow compassion wherever you go. You know what compassion does? It creates space. It creates space. If you lead with compassion, you're never gonna lose. And the goal is not that someone gets, you know, a crazy miracle like healing in the moment. That would be amazing. The goal though, is that they would feel loved. The goal is that they would feel loved. And so compassion, so compassion wherever you go this week. You're gonna see people and you're gonna sow. This is my dream. This is our dream. That we would be the healthiest place on earth that there would be no pain, there would be no brokenness, there would be no trauma, that people could come here and they could experience healing and hope. And I believe that we can do this. I believe we're called to this as we embrace understanding that we've been given authority in Jesus, that we are in a battle, but we can fight for the kingdom to come. And we can say yes to the invitation to compassion. We can say, Lord, may I be so moved that I move to action.
And I partner with you to release the kingdom of God wherever I live and work and play. And so what we're gonna do in a moment, we're gonna worship. I'm gonna invite you to stand if you're able, and I'm gonna pray us into worship together today. You know, as you think about your own life, you think about maybe something you're struggling with, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to meet you here with healing. He's here, he's in the room. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do a deeper work. God, where we've believed wrongly, where we've been broken, God, where we've lost hope that you care about us and you know our problems and you wanna bring freedom. Jesus, we just invite you into this space to, to blow like a sweet wind, to bring your hope and your healing. We welcome you now in Jesus' name, amen.